Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Space Knights from the indie publisher Cosmic Lion Productions. I'm very excited because we have the writer, artist, creator of Space Knights coming all the way from the Bay Area. We're talking to Kevin Anthony Catalan. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Doing all right. It's a nice cold night. I always like the cold nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just glad California isn't in a heat wave anymore. I was no, over that's that. exactly why my room has this terrible uh, insulation. So it just keeps all the heat in if it's too hot. So it's nice to have be in winter again. Yeah, California was not made to have the extremes of weather. So I don't think many homes have good insulation whatsoever. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Kevin, where in the Bay Area are you? So I moved around a lot. At first, uh, for a for a good amount of time, I lived in San Francisco for college yeah. for seven years. And then I just moved to uh, Brentwood recently, which is like all the way at the, the outskirt of like East Bay. Yeah. Totally from like city to suburbs. There you go. <laughs> Not just rubber. It's like retirement suburbs is where old people are. So I lived in yeah. I lived in Berkeley and uh, Oakland for uh, Oakland for a while, like kind of in the hills of Oakland. And, oh, then gotcha. I, and then I was in uh, Santa Clara for a couple of years. I worked at um, Great Great America. <laughs> oh nice yeah. i was a caricature nice, artist for several years there. oh nice nice yeah damn that must have been a lot of people <laughs> yeah it was a lot yeah a lot of yeah a lot of goofy faces but yeah <laughs> i don't miss the traffic <laughs> no that's always the thing where you know traffic is always not just traffic people the way people drive sometimes too because people are yeah. always in a rush so you know not only dealing with traffic people can you have to read minds sometimes and you're driving here yeah. Although one thing I did like about the drive from when I lived in Oakland and drove down to Santa Clara mm-hmm. um, is, you know, those like big metal, like, I don't even know what they are, shipping rigs kind oh, yeah, of in the yeah. distance. And like, and then somebody said, oh, those were the, or maybe I watched the documentary on Star Wars. And then because George Lucas was like, yeah, those, that's exactly. what inspired, <laughs> that, that's what inspired the Adats. Yeah. Uh, the AT-80s, and I was like, "What? Oh, I totally see it now." It's like these big, like metal things. They're like blah, blah, blah. Skywalker Ranch, and he lives in uh, the Marin County, which is like over the Golden Gate Bridge. So, yeah, yeah. So it makes total sense why we'd see that. Uh, that's so, yeah. it's so funny. Just like some <laughs> it is mundane, like shipyard kind of. Crazy <laughs> that's where it thing. can come from. You know, talking about inspiration, it can be anywhere. Well, jumping right into that, then. Are there yeah. any are there any things that you've taken inspiration from from like the Bay Area and included them into your comic? I would say yes. I mean, not just Bay Area. I mean, everywhere I've ever lived because I used to live in the Philippines too. I moved there when I was twelve. So seeing, you know, I was I was used to kind of like very tight packed cities like Manila and seeing the slums and moving in here where everything is kind of clear for me. Like, oh, everything like, the roads are wider. Quote yeah. unquote, compared to the Philippines and being in downtown San Francisco, I saw a lot of um, different kind of city culture. Right. So that's when star, I started designing in Space Nights to where I do graffiti differently, depending on and how also houses are made. Thinking about slums versus structural buildings like a downtown San Francisco with age. So you'll uh-huh. see older buildings that survive maybe the, the Great Fire or buildings that's built today, which is like the big global force tower, if you've seen that a massive tower compared to those old skyscrapers so i take inspiration a lot for that for making space nights uh environments and you'll see different there's different planets there so you can be different kind of worlds and there's different kind of cultures to that so definitely i look at the really small details as, as graffiti 
as a small as I would go to take photos of it where people write. Um, it can be, you know, about people like a heart with their names or something about gangs or something racial, right? So that's involved with culture of the city. And that's what I'm bringing into my world, talking about world building. So, yeah. Your art in general, like immediately grabbed me as soon as I saw it. I have to shout out Bader from Short Box Podcast because he had posted about Space Nights and it was like a, a panel from within the book. And I messaged him immediately. I was like, what is this? Where do I find it? And <laughs> within like five minutes of seeing it, I had already ordered the book from Cosmic Lion Productions. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I've always been, or more recently, been trying to find more of the indie creator books, the things that really stand out, that that catch my eye. And this was at the top of that list. And I immediately know I knew I needed to have it in my collection. The art style is so gritty with extremely bold colors and mm -hmm. it's so dynamic with action and unique paneling I, I really want to get into what do you feel like have been your greatest influences to really develop your style because there is not just one style within this book there are so many different mediums that I, mm -hmm. I can recognize so just what do you feel like has influenced you to create your unique style the first book that was right at the end of my college so that time is a lot of things I've learned and I've mostly practiced to kind of traditional means just learning directly from figure drawing books and drawing realistically. And so I started looking at style more for comics at that time. So that's why it is a lot of like, you'll see a lot of influences at one go. Most at the beginning of the first issue, you see a bit of Mignola in there and yeah. then you'll see some Jack Kirby with the Kirby dots, right? So a lot of it. You can kind of see the growth looking back in hindsight. I can, I can see my own growth from that first book. And the big name, I would say, Mag Mignola and Jack Kirby were the first two. And then I started going into more modern times. We see Daniel Warren Johnson and James Heron, right? So um, right now I'm going to Arthur Adams. And so I'm kind of going backwards because my knowledge of comics is not as, I would say, big as others. Because I'm kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm late because you're never too late, but I feel I am late. Um, so I learned about modern comics and I'm going back to more retro and older comics and learning more about these artists. Cause my dad was an animator and so he was taught me the way he was taught back in like the seventies and eighties. So he just, Oh, learn from Bernd Hogarth books of anatomy yeah. <laughs> or Bridgman's anatomy. Right. So those things just directly from the source. And those were the, the old guys were learning like, our, uh, like, um, Neil Adams was learning about from Bernd Hogarth's books. So th those were something I was kind of. I wasn't emulating, but it just happened by chance because of what my dad told me to do. And yeah. so I had this foundation of just, you know, basic drawing of how to draw things. And then that's when I started playing with style. I think that's why I can't focus too much on one artist because I like to be grounded by my own self. And also uh, Katsuhiro Otomo from Akira was also a big one, too. It's actually my first comic that I read. But yeah, a lot of it's still happening today. I'm going through more. I'm looking at less references now for like art styles, trying to find my own way more and not relying too much on what I want to do more, just like what I feel what I want to do, you know, just exploring that way. So, yeah, I think that's that's really cool. I definitely noticed the Mignola, especially when you had panels that were kind of cut to like some sort of, you know, tombstone or, or like a like yeah. a plaque or something. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. like like that's that's totally <laughs> Hellboy. Like definitely. that's that's totally like a thing. But the but even like something like. There was a little bit of like Frank Miller, like uh, oh yeah, in, definitely. In some yeah. of those pant like like the McDaddy. Uh, yes. It was mm -hmm. it was like a it was like a 
that tele that television kind of like ha, yeah. ha, you know like the seat and everything Definitely. i was like oh that's yeah. very like dark knight returns kind of stuff it but, is uh, the dark knight was actually a big one i forgot to mention that i bought the artist edition at that time in college when i got that so i did i read the book and then i was like i want the, i want the actual you know like to see yeah, the one-to-one yeah. 3d art and so seeing that has really influenced me the way I approach storytelling. I think I emulate, I try to not emulate, but I think of Frank Miller's storytelling, his earlier ones a lot more when it comes to my writing at that time too. Uh, yeah. So that's, I think, a bigger influence than anything when it comes to the story. The, the other thing I, I noticed was the coloring. Is it, I mean, is it all, is everything you're doing, is it digital or you start traditional and then color on, on the uh, computer? Or? For the actual sequentials, they're all digital. Um, yeah. I am a trained painter, so in college I learned that my actual study was oil painting. So yeah. I did a lot of oil nice. paintings and watercolors, but I learned Photoshop and all that on after school. So that's something I would do for myself. And for comics, it's just a lot easier when you're changing, you know, like or editing. It's a lot harder to go traditional for me at least at that yeah. time. Um, but I do for the ads, the the ad little fake ads you see. Those are all painted. So they're also oh, okay. done by hand. Even the lettering that did my hand painting. So I was trying to emulate Jeez. you know like retro like america like americana ads from the 50s yeah, so yeah that's what i was trying to do so i was gonna say it looks like an old like uh like sci-fi you know <laughs> it came from beyond like kind of exactly. thing like uh, but those were those were dope and i was like wait you, he did those like that's not a that's not a different <laughs> artist like that that was weird i noticed like and you had all these like little halftone patterns on on stuff too is that to kind of capture mm-hmm an older like offset feel uh, like intentionally or was that is kind of like a like an homage to manga or something at least with the with the paper uh, they did, i did like a paper texture on it but with the colors it was half and half because i love texture but then i don't want to just try to emulate the way they colored back then because it is a complex process the way they do yeah. painting so but i just like the texture so i guess it was both half and half to give a bit of retro look but also have its own kind of modern take on the half tone where people use it not because it's a printing um byproduct but rather it's a texture that's kind of cool yeah you know yeah but it is manga definitely i've been trying out those screen tones by hand but a lot of it is digital because it's expensive <laughs> yeah yeah Right on. Okay, that's my nerdy art talk. <laughs> <laughs> the fun thing is, is as soon as I had this book in my hands, I was looking through the interiors. I messaged Chris because, like, y- you need to also own this book because I I noticed those references because Chris is a massive fan of Mignola and like you mentioned, Daniel Warren Johnson and, J- and Heron, and those are two of the creators that I've been really diving into in the last couple years as well, and I absolutely love their work. So it it is this really cool union of various styles, but it totally feels unique to you. Yeah. If I were to be looking at this, I'm not seeing someone copying another creator style. I'm seeing something kind of evolve, which is really exciting to see. And like you mentioned, you're you're seeing it progress yourself and and your growth, which is also probably really exciting. Yeah. So I think. The, the thing I didn't realize that, or at least appreciate it until I would say this year when I'm a bit old, because I made this book about three years ago. That was when I graduated college. And at that time, when I finished the book, I said to myself, maybe I should go back to those early pages because I don't assert my, my drawings are different. But then I just stopped myself because it's finished, right? Why work on it more? But I let that go. And then now, you know, a bit older and a bit wiser, I would say, I look at that as like, wow, I can definitely see my progression. That was something I could I could have missed if I didn't keep that. 
you know, so it is it is a treat now to look at. Before we go any further, I wanted to bring up what Space Knights is about. <laughs> so on the back of Tales of Space Knights, it says Space Knights is an epic space fantasy comic series. And then on the back of Space Knight paperback itself, it is elves and men at war bringing death and destruction throughout the solar system, bathing the empty abyss of space in blood. Space Knights is a quarterly epic fantasy anthology featuring three different stories taking place within the same universe, plagued by war, cults, religious inquisition, and corporate-sponsored genocide. This description of the book is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> there, There's so much going on and with a story, but it really feels like controlled chaos. Yeah. One of the things I was looking forward to the most talking with you about is within the first page, um, not even the first page, the inside cover, you immediately get the solar system and the beginning of descriptions of what races, classes are at each of these planets, which ones have certain armies. And within, before I even get into dialogue of this book, there's just so much rich history that's developing so I, I really want to know, what was it that inspired you, because clearly there's inspiration there, of developing such a rich back history for storytelling? I'm a very big fan of fantasy and sci-fi. Those are the two things. This comic was supposed to be fantasy at first, and I've been like really into Lord of the Rings since I was a kid. You know, yes. that's like the big world building thing you'll just hear for anything. Right. And, and I got really into like the song of ice and fire, which is game of Thrones as well in high school. So that was kind of the, my progression of that. And just my love for building universes and kind of not just, I would say universe, just a life of somewhere people can actually live, you know? Um, I just kept writing, like, I had a ton, I have tons of journals back in high school and college of just writing all these ideas and all of them, I'm not going to just put out in the book just to give you a bunch of, you know, exposition, but just to give me some history for myself. So when I start telling these stories, I have something to refer to, um, it's kind of my own encyclopedia in a way, but this is all done in fantasy at that time. And so I'm typically doing a big map, right. With volcanoes, mountain ranges. And then at a certain point I kept showing to my friends and they kept saying, man, it's like, it's like Lord of Rings. It's like Game of Thrones. And that at first it was like a good compliment, but at the same time, like, but I want it to be its own thing, you know? And now, you know, talking about the solar system, I was taking a lot of uh, astronomy classes in college at that time. So I want, it's, I always said, if I wasn't an artist, I would be an astrophysicist. Like it would be that would be my other pathway. I love art so much, but I want to put all the love I have for everything else in this book. And history and classics is my favorite thing. So Greek mythology, yeah. uh, World War II, uh, 1800s kind of history, like Civil War. all a lot. I love like war, warfare history, and I just put it in this book all of my love for every any subject is all in this book. Um, but you did say it's controlled chaos because that's a lot. Right. And that's it's actually what lot. drove me crazy for a bit. You know, as I said, I have so much books and I stopped. I just stopped working on it until I did this short comic for my uh, my class for comics class I was taking, and he just said, "Just draw like a eight page comic really quick." Um, and I did it, and I really liked. It was a tournament of like knights because I was really like, into knights and just make it simple. We call it Space Knights, right? It's always actually in the back of that first book. You'll see it there, and that's when I started feeling. Wait, wait a minute, there's a there's a world here. I like I like this kind of like space. Uh, fantasy aspect and i started world building that a bit more and so i'm doing another one so i'm like wait a minute this 
it's gonna be a lot of work work at work again i'm gonna have more journals so i look back to my old fantasy stuff and i just combine them and i was like wait a minute everything is fitting in it's just changing the tech a bit changing this a bit and then that's what space nights became and so the world building aspect was essentially fantasy to space that was that's what happened but all my love of history astronomy and everything else that's why there's elves yeah definitely space elves (laughs) space elves and i changed the elves a bit because you're thinking about like tolkien's uh, elves you know they're a bit more ethereal and beautiful in mine i made them uh, it's not really prevalent yet for the first book but they're very um communist inspired elves where um their you know <laughs> bodies will just go at you and they're not beautiful at all they're different forms and you know, just have pointy ears and i've always thought the the idea for space as at first when i did it i said okay what happens after the humans and elves defeat the orcs but the elves don't leave what's the politics there and so this, this is like a hundred years later, so they don't really get along anymore, right? So that's what I wanted to do and take off all the kind of beautiful aspects of it a bit. But there's hints of it there in the past. The story in the back of the book, because you include that entire project that you had because it was the final yeah. project for your comic making class. It was, yeah. The story you include in the back of the book is just so funny and good. <laughs> just Just about like your teacher giving the assignment and you wanting to like really expand on it. But then the teacher mm-hmm. said something along the lines of, well, oh, that's too much. Just cut it short because yeah. there's a certain <laughs> time frame. But then they extended the time frame. So you could have done what you wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, I was so mad. It was I actually <laughs> wanted to do like a six, 16 page, you know, because I was kind of known for his class that I, I was too ambitious. And that's I was rightfully so I was too ambitious. Sometimes I don't finish things on time. But that one, I knew I wanted to do this and I knew I could finish it. And I told him that, but he didn't trust me. So I was like, okay, fine. And he just said, you have a one week left, Kev. So you can't even do it if you wanted to. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm working part-time in this place and I'm doing this at home. So I just did the eight page and I got to the class at that day when I was, I was actually doing the lettering during that last class where it's due. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, middle of my was lettering it, he just said, oh, you guys have another week on this. I'm like, what? You told, I spent... <laughs> hours awake uh, i spent like three hours a day like, sleeping and every time i'm at home just drawing this thing and then i was so mad i think that <laughs> that anger produced this book like to fin- make it uh, to- <laughs> because it was just that like i want this to be something and then i was so i was told no so now i'm just gonna do it <laughs> there, there's the angst in the book you can feel it it was it was yeah so you know that, that was a really good, I, I thought it was a good story to include there because it, it just shows kind of the drive of like doing, if people say, do your, your first comic shouldn't be, this is like hundred pages in here. Shouldn't be a hundred page comic. It should be, you know, eight to whatever pages, but that anger drove to why I did this in the first place. The story has so much energy to it. And I, I really like learning that about you right now, about the the love you have for your other interests mm-hmm. and bringing them into the book. Because lately, I feel like that's where a lot of the big creators have been succeeding at at incorporating their love of other, whether it's, if we're talking Daniel Warren Johnson, his love of wrestling and do a powerbomb yeah. being such a hit, or uh, other creators loving even small things like video games. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. But being able to combine your love and interests of things with comics really allows you to convey your love and interest in in 
heart that you feel in another medium into this one. And it, it absolutely shows because the, like I said, the detail in here is absolutely insane, in, including all of the little advertisements that are included in the story. It, it feels like a fully developed world. And it feels that way from the opening of the first page. When I did those journals, it really intimidated me. But then a certain time, that's when I said, wait, I have, all this knowledge that I built up for this world. So it's accessible to me easily. It's like a library for myself. So it was the main goal for this book, not to be too much exposition because it is something I want people to be bored. I wanted them to experience the book, to experience the world, not so much to tell you what's going on, show you what's going on. And, you know, that can sacrifice the story a bit because a lot of it's visual and not much of I like breadcrumbs. I like to, to say it that way. Well, it's brilliant, and I Thank you. am very excited for more. But I want to talk about what we have right now. Like you mentioned, there are three stories within this trade paperback that everyone mm-hmm. can purchase currently right now, Cosmic Lion Productions. We're going to include the link in our show notes so everyone can go buy it because you absolutely want this on your comic book shelf. I don't want to butcher the various storylines, so I was curious if you might give our listeners like a little like the theme or the the intro kind of storyline for the three different stories that they'll be getting from this book. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of introduced the book, the big umbrella around the whole three stories. These are three stories that take place in the same world, the same universe or the same solar system. But some of them take place in a different time, too. That's one thing that I don't sh- tell you right away. You kind of see hints of it in the book. Um, but with the first story, it's called Cult Hunters. They're hunters- they hunt down cultists because there's a big kind of inquisitional like religion in this world where if you're not following that religion, you're essentially a heretic or a cultist right away. But there are people that actually do have some kind of magic that do want to do bad, kind of the demonic magic um, you would say in other fantasy stuff. But I call it doom, like the doom gods, which is the ones that they worship. Which is epic. Yeah, they, thank you. They hunt those down, but it's a buddy cop story. So those cult hunters are not really, because the religion have their own cops, but they can't handle everything. So they got to outsource somehow. So it's mercenaries. It's a buddy cop story of Hellion and Hale hunting down these cultists. And it expands to something bigger as it goes to the next issue. And then the second story, I like to say it's a, kind of a superhero kind of genre to where this guy is just, you know, kind of gritty dude, but he is colored like superman like red blue you know some bit of yellow in there right so traditional colors for heroes but he's not really a hero when you meet him he's something that's kind of in the gutter fighting a tournament so it's a story of him coming back to that being what what it means to be a hero to someone right going from the gutter to the top so that's what he is in that redemption um and the last one is my love for warfare it's grunts on the ground. You're not going to see crazy heroes in this first one. It's just going to be dudes that work as a blacksmith or work as a shopkeeper that was just conscripted to this army. And they're talking about gum in the first part of that uh, story. And then cut to the battle of them landing into this you know, men versus elves uh, thing. So, But it's showing you the, the scale of warfare in Space Knights. So you get a flavor at that at the end that, we have these stories of cult hunters, Iron Hand, but the background, you have these this giant racial warfare between men and elves. So I thought it was a good thing to kind of wrap up the whole book at the end. But yeah, I, I think that's good description of all three. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that each of the stories 
have their own like feeling to them. The Colt Hunters mm-hmm. really does feel like this more humorous buddy cop storyline, but you're involving these beings that are following doom gods and some pretty crazy powers are shown, but at the same time, it keeps it very kind of funny and light while also being very dark. Yeah. It's, it's such a blast because this book, there's a lot to it. It's hefty. There's a lot going on, but I feel like I read it so fast because I, one couldn't put it down, but Mm -hmm it just flows so well. You have included probably what is now one of my favorite character creation designs in any comic within the, the meteor slayer storyline, just that gigantic. (laughs) I don't even know how, how I need to describe it. Gigantic elephant Goliath gladiator. That is one of the coolest designs. You know, one of those things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His name is uh, Boothrog, the Moonbreaker, the way he's introduced in the story. The The funny thing is, Moonbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. It's like it's it's those wrestling names, right? Because I I, I was a fan of the 2000s wrestlings and they have the ridiculous names of titles. Also, Knights, they would have like uh, Sir John of something, right? Uh, Slayer of Demons, whatever, right? So I wanted to play with that, but more kind of ridiculous in a way to take it. So the funny thing is, he, I did not expect him to be actually, you're not the first guy to say this about him. Like every time someone reads my book, like that elephant guy is like, that does like, man, I can't say much what happens to him in the book, but you know, it, it brought me to like, that was a really fun time when I drew that because when I was drawing that part of the book, uh, at least with the thumbnails and scripting, he was just going to be a regular dude, like a, another knight. And, you know, but I wanted to show the power of Iron Hand and what's best to him to actually fight something bigger than him. Right. So just visuals, uh, visual challenge um, and the design for this guy is actually influenced by Lord of the Rings, because at that time I was binging the first three movies of Lord of the Rings. Uh, and I was in the third movie, Return of the King, where the, they call the Mumakil in the movie, which is the giant elephants. And these giant tattoos on her face, and yeah. how much they just rampage over you know, the uh, Rohan's army. And I was like, I want that feeling of just something big comes out. But I love those elephants so much in the movie. Just might as well put something similar kind of yeah. influence with that, right? But it's just a dude who has that elephant head, and he has these tusks that have a bunch of teeth on him. So it's not just it's not normal. Um, but yeah, it was really fun time, and that was actually on the whim when I drew him on there. So I already wrote the script. I did the thumbnails of this regular night. I just said, this is boring. Let me change it up. And then so I drew it as I went. I was just drawing this giant elephant. Um, that page you actually showed there, that was supposed to be like a five page, a five panel page. But then he was so big. I'm just, just going to show his full scale coming out of this door, you know, so. It's so good. And I, I'm so glad you said that because that is exactly the reference I had in my mind when I saw him for the first time were, were yeah. those elephants from Lord of the Rings. And just making it such like an anthropomorphic character, gigantic. If there's one request I have in this entire episode is please do a prequel story of this character at some point. Because <laughs> I have I need... something working with that. Okay, me. sweet. <laughs> you're, sweet. Yeah, you're I... not the first guy with, with talking about him, it's, which is the shame of it all for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there there's a lot more things happening actually i've been talking to my girlfriend about it and she's like you got to do something about that i'm like i am i am and it's gonna happen so yeah (laughs) well i am extremely excited about that and then obviously the final storyline in this one is mudfoot hill yeah i think you have brilliantly captured 
the chaos that can happen on the battlefield and having to go up against the unexpected. And it is absolutely like every single panel of the story is brilliant chaos with some of the coolest like armor designs and like heavy action, the double spread layouts that you have in here. It's it's just so good. I don't have a question. I'm just telling you, I really like this book. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, uh, with that one, because I said I'm a really big fan of historic warfare, and I read some books and watched movies. Um, like Saving Private Ryan was my first one, and then learned about Banner Brothers afterwards and watched that. And then at high school, we read a bunch of Vietnam War kind of stories. Uh, uh, There's one I really liked was Things They Carried. You know, thinking about the unexpected characters there are not like in movies to where, you know, someone dies heroically and then they bleed out in the floor and it's like, say, no, talk, tell my mother, I love her. Right. Those kind of scenes. Right. But in real warfare, you don't get to have that time. You're just gone in an instant and you never know who's going to go. Right. And in mud for Hill, you get to see that of, you think this is the guy, the guy you're going to follow through the story, but in reality, it's not going to be that guy. It's going to be someone else. Cause that's, what warfare is when it comes to chaos and as much as like it's embellished in space with giants and crazy armor designs it is people still and there are boots on the ground and it can get chaotic and and mostly in this world it's much more uncontrolled when things happen out of nowhere that's almost exactly what i wanted to bring up next was that in in a story where there are gigantic anthropomorphic elephant creatures and Uh, these doom gods and dragons and just absolute chaos and destruction. Really, there's so many human moments that happen. These tiny little interactions that just round out the story. Soldiers like trying to exchange little trinkets here and there, or they're trying to get a certain food or, and trade things for that. It really just feels like such a well developed world. And I I really want to get that across that because that's the kind of stories that I've been really engaging with more lately is the ones that I feel like I can open this book and just be lost in, in the world. And that's exactly what Space Knights accomplishes. And I cannot recommend this book enough to our listeners because it is an absolute joy to read. I I'm really excited for what's coming because we've already talked online and you were currently working on volume two of space nights, correct? Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> That's something I've been pushing hard. Cause the thing, my goal was actually to finish it this year. It was supposed to be premiering at LA con first. It was earlier than that, but then LA con, but from the success of this book and some stuff I've done of commission work, my work has been getting a lot of eyes on it. So I've been doing a lot more, non-comic work on the side for commissions and book this and book that now i'm like okay i need to finish a second issue this is what i want to do so i'm hoping to get it done by not hoping i'm going to get it done by heroes con which is in june of uh, next year so that's what i've done some pages i've done a couple i've inked actually a whole prologue sequence for the second book and then i've penciled a good amount of the next book as well and a lot of the writing i went back a lot on the writing a bit more compared to the first book um, to give you more of a, cause I've already ex- introduced you to the world. Have you experienced it now? It's to get down to the stories a bit more 
you know, kind of cone it in in there. While we have this entire trade with so many pages, do you, do you know the, the exact number of how many pages are in this first volume? I think for sequentials, there's about 90 something of that. And the whole book is about 120. So there's extra, there's extra pinups. There's also ads and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So there is so much in this storyline. And while I truly enjoyed like the arcs of the character so far, it really just feels like the ground floor is laid for what's to come with volume two coming. I'm curious, did you have like an end goal of how many volumes you want to do for the series? Is this something you just want to keep on going or do you have an idea of where you want the story to end? Definitely. There's an ending. Actually, the thing about the three stories, each story will have its own different time ending. So Mudfoot Hill is going to end in like four issues. Oh, but wow. the other two will continue on. So that's that. the whole design for Space Science is that after one story ends, it fills it in with another one. So I already have a character in mind for that one and it's a different feel, a different world. And also kind of goes along with the other two stories. So they're all, they're all different, but they all have this kind of parallel um, theme going around them. They kind of bounce on each other. So you'll see some references to the... You read something in the first story with cult hunters and I know where it's like Iron Hand is talking about it because they're sharing the same world. You know, it's gonna, it's a thing that you don't have to go out to learn about because it will happen in the same book. I don't know if that explains it, <laughs> but yeah. No, it does. That is so, that is such a great concept for the layout of this story. And and it makes it really exciting because you're like, none of the characters are, are safe because if a story could end at any point in time and be picked up by another one later, it. It gives you that feeling of desperation yeah. that you kind of want from stories that are built in a world like this where safety is not guaranteed. Definitely. It's cool, too, because I talked about the time aspect of it. So one of the stories there is actually in the past, but you don't see that. Mm, and then some right. of it starts to come up and you're like, wait a minute. It's like that's going to happen, I think, more so in the second issue. You'll see hints of it in the first book. Um but yeah, the, I, I reward people when they look at the details of the the designs of buildings, the posters, the um, the graffiti, because they'll tell you a lot when you actually look at them. What's like an Easter egg or something you've hidden in this story that you're most proud of? What's a good question? <laughs> that you haven't told anybody and that yeah. it's an exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> that we can have the exclusive. <laughs> That's a good one. I think. Spoilers. <laughs> There was something about, let me look back. I, I'm making sure I did it in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I drew a doodle on like the graffiti stuff of my uh, childhood characters that I made as a kid. Nice. So oh, that's I, awesome. I tend to draw those in every comic, even in college. I draw them just in the back. It's this uh, kind of rect- triangle-shaped guy, but he has a flat top and he has a spring for a bottom. And <laughs> it's just a very, you know, a childhood character and then I just draw him anywhere I go uh, with any way work I can every time there's graffiti involved he's gonna be there but you might be a little too small to see but other than that I mean for easter egg stuff I think more just so the world building things like little posters of like conscription um, some ad stuff that may be too small to read but then I know what that says you know so for me it's like ah that's a cool thing to see but also the newspaper in the beginning I think I'm very proud of that one too with the today's sponsors, because yeah. it can barely read that in the book, but I went in detail to make comp- fake companies of this world, but in reprints it like ah, oh, it's great tiny, you won't even notice it. 
I don't know. So far, just those small characters. Well, the attention to detail is honestly truly impressive. That's one of the first things I noticed with all the the ads that you come up with and how much level of detail you've put into this. Like legitimately, some of these, like you mentioned, you're trained in painting and watercolor and you've incorporated that into the storyline with these really cool looking posters that legitimately if I kind of want to just get a blown up version of one of these and put them on my wall because it's that (laughs) beautiful but you also get these like coupons that are included in the book for just like the strangest (laughs) things and it's like Cracker Jack prizes that just sound absolutely bonkers it's that level of creation that gets me so excited about the series and I hope that that excitement and energy has come across for our listeners because I truly think this book is brilliant and more people need to buy it. So again, <laughs> the link for to, to purchase Space Nights is going to be in our show notes. Uh, Kevin, is there anything that we haven't touched on with, with Space Nights that you want to bring up or any other work that you're currently working on that you want to promote? Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Tales of Space Science, which is a standalone one. Because yeah. that one, I think, is a special book um, compared to the first trade. Because that's the actual, quote-unquote, second book of this. But it's not, they're not related to the stories, but it is the same world as well. But that book is oversized. It's 9 by 12. It's the largest size our printer can print. I asked for that specifically. And inside of it, right in the center of the book, there's a three-page fold-out spread that, f- that shows you how much I care about print. And yeah, there you go. How much I care about uh-huh. print and world building, you can say again with detail, because that's that spread is not only just a one shot of a character, it's a, a place, right? So this book is also black and white, and I want to play around with black and white a lot with, uh, you're talking about Mignola, you know, the way he does shapes with black and white instead of thinking about color, because I've never done a book before where it's meant to be black and white because the approach with color, you have to, oh, I'm going to call it out in later. I don't have to worry about right. that too much. Black and white, that's it, right? What do you, what information do you put in there for that? Um, it also has a wiki in the front that kind of supplements the first book and also the next book coming up. It shows characters that are coming for a second issue. Um, my favorite one there is Morvana. She's the dragon, pirate queen dragon. She's also the prologue of the second book. I showed off a bit of that online. Um, I've made previews for it uh, some I think 30 copies of it so some people have that um, but yeah and other works in the future I have I have some covers coming up for some companies that's really fun um, I have a book that's really fun too after Space Nights make sure I tell you guys that I have, some, I have a big book coming up after Space Nights that's gonna be cool now, nothing I can say yet but right, right, next right. year is exciting and so I'm just letting you guys know it's gonna be yeah it's really cool Congrats. so <laughs> thank you yeah, well, that does not surprise me whatsoever because as soon as I saw the art within this book, I was like, oh, this dude's going to take off. Like, that's it. This is <laughs> such interesting, unique, dynamic art. And then the storytelling elements and the level of detail, like I mentioned, that you put in is just so really inspiring. And anything with your name on it, I'm buying moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we are we are very excited to see what what happens in Space Knights Volume 2. Very excited to hear more about the comics that you have coming out next year, and we'll be happy to promote it on our show. Anytime you would like to come back to promote any other book, 
please come back because we want to talk to you again. Thank you. Definitely. I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> I have a bunch of stuff. And Kevin, what, where can people find you online? What's your socials? What, what's the best place to kind of follow what you're doing? Yeah. My main one is definitely um, Instagram. That's just where I post everything. Cause it's art. Um, yeah, it's good at uh, K Catalan, which is my last name underscore art. You know, that's it. I post my stories a lot with progress, my pro like, you know, a bunch of work in progress stuff. I do a lot of posts of the commission work. Comics wise, you have to look at my stories because I don't like putting that too much on my page yet. But yeah, that's definitely the place. Well, and we'll uh, we'll link to you in our in our Instagram as well, so awesome. listeners can get that follow us can can now follow you. Thank you. I know that Tales of Space Knights was out of print for a while and then yes. cosmic lion they had found or eli found a box a, full of them that you had him at la comic-con and it was a miracle the, <laughs> right and friend of the show jeremy who is a regular guest host on our show was going to be going up to la comic-con which is now why i have one of these things <laughs> in my possession which i'm very happy about but do you know if there's going to be another printing for tales no that's it so we've what happened is from what Eli told me, he was getting ready for the show and he mislabeled the box of Tales of Space Knights as the first book. So he just put Space Knights in there. So when we ran out, we just we, so we ran out and there's not going to be another printing of that book. That's why I think it's a special book to me. It's also my place to play around with. And I'm going to do another Tales of Space Knights after the second book because I like to play with mediums and sizes a lot. Um, so it's going to be available, I think, with Eli. I'm not sure if he's going to do it now for the holidays but i think it's gonna do it for january after the holidays so we have less than probably 50 of those books now uh before it was zero so now there's more copies and we sold a bunch of them at la con but that that's that <laughs> listeners if you want something that is not there's not a lot of them made and from an artist that is clearly going to blow up in this space do yourself a favor and buy Tales of Space Knights from Cosmic Lion because there are not many of them. So do it. You want it in your collection because I love mine. Thank you. It's an awesome book. I, I recommend it myself. I'm proud of it. <laughs> You're that recommended from the creator. There's no greater recommendation. No, 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 no greater. It's not greater. <laughs> I'm my toughest critic, so that you should take that to heart. <laughs> I think that's true, though. Any any creator, I feel like, is their toughest critic. Chris is also an artist. He talks about that all the time. Yeah. 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 It's it's all that stuff that you're like, nah, I'm not going to I'm not going to put that out. Like, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not uh, I'm not ready for that. You know, it's and, and, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely like as an artist, you have to sometimes just get it out there and, and exactly have that. You know, it's a, it's critique day. Remember critique day in, in art mm. school? Like it's it's like, oh, I'm not <laughs> ready, but OK, I know this is coming. But and, and sometimes you surprise yourself, but. But you know, that's what I felt about to surprise myself with their first book, because that for me, that was a big critique day when the producer first book. So that what it felt like. But Tales of Space Nights, when I produced it and finished it, I was that was something I was very proud of to show to people. So because it's some yeah. everything I wanted to do for comics is on that book. So there you go. That's awesome, There's man. only a few of them. So if you can't get the first book, you can at least get this other one because you're not going to have another right. chance to get it. You know, that's it. Yeah, they better do a bigger printing for the second Tales of Space Knights because oh, yeah. people are going to be chomping at the bit for that one. <laughs> we're talking, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to close the book on Space Knights. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. And this is Kevin. Reminding you to keep your friends close. 
but your comic books closer.